Hello and welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. The Red Hand provides next-level Ulster rugby coverage, offering fans unrivaled insight, unfiltered opinion, powerful stories, and accessible analysis. Every minute of every game is covered with weekly in-depth written articles, interviews with players past and present, analysis from rugby experts, and a podcast in which we preview and review Ulster's games and discuss all things Ulster Rugby. To gain full access, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the red hand or visit theredhand.co. A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast. If you're struggling with an injury, lack of mobility, or some form of pain that you've just got used to living with, then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. The practice owner, John Quigg, is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy or type their number in your phone now. 075 685 3022. That's 075 685 3022. Get in touch with them and get your aches and pains sorted. Rugby players in East Belfast, can I have your attention for a few moments? I want to talk to you about Civil Service Rugby Club, your local rugby club that's open to all. Whether you're thinking of getting back into rugby after a bit of time away, maybe you're leaving school and want to continue to play rugby, or maybe you're thinking of trying rugby for the first time, then there's a club in East Belfast based on the grounds of Storwind Estate for you. Civil Service Rugby Club are actively recruiting new players of all levels and backgrounds, It's a club that's open to everyone. There's a friendly and welcoming group of players who play rugby for the fun of it, to stay fit and enjoy the social side of the game. Of course, you will also develop as a player and become part of an ambitious team. Civil Service Rugby Club is based at Stormont Pavilion, where there are quality pitches and facilities. They train every Monday and Wednesday night and there's summer touch rugby happening over the months of June and the start of July. There's a good bit of buzz around the club with some new players and a new coaching team this season. If you want to get involved, send a message to Civil Service Rugby Club on Instagram or on Facebook, or you can send me a message on the red hand and I'll point you in the right direction. Get involved and hopefully see you there. Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. It's great to be back. And despite the underwhelming performance, we managed to escape with a bonus point win. The sense of relief was palpable when Zebra coughed up the ball on the Ulster line after a sustained period of pressure in the dying moments and narrowly avoided a loss against a team that didn't win a game last season. Not the start we hoped for, but I suppose it could have been worse. We're missing quite a few players, uh, injury and unavailability after the World Cup. And there's always that bit of rustiness in the opening game of the season. However, are we going to see signs of progress? That remains to be seen. Will we get our defence sorted in time to face a higher standard of opposition? Who are the players who are going to stick their hands up for selection and force their way into the starting match day squad? So to discuss all this and more, I'm joined by another great panel, Nathan, Fergus and Patrick. So we have plenty to talk about, so we'll get stuck straight in. And as usual, we'll start with Nathan. So Nathan, Ulster got the bonus point win 
in their first game of the URC at the weekend. But that probably doesn't uh, tell the full story, does it? So for those who didn't see the game on Saturday or struggled to make sense of their emotions after the game, how would you sum up her character? It was bizarre in many ways, wasn't it? I mean, first of all, like probably aside from the frustration of, of Ulster fans of going down and being uh, being behind to Zebre, uh, from a neutral's point of view, it was a cracking game. I mean, 70, 70 plus points at end-to-end. Teams kind of like firing shots and responding. Uh, never that much of a gap between the sides, uh, which was brilliant on the scoreboard at least, which is fantastic to see. And probably a sign of two pretty poor defences more than anything else. Uh, the attacking movie was good at times. But um, but yeah, I mean, look, Zebras looked like a million dollars when they had the ball and they looked shocking with the ball without it as did Ulster, but that first half, that, that creaking line-out mall defensively was was a massive concern. It led to a yellow card for, for Kieran Treadwell. I don't know if that was selection. I mean, Ulster had the best uh, line-out mall in the league last year, I think, in metres made and tries scored. So to go from, from first to, to, well, I don't know if they had the worst mall of the, of the competition in week one, but it couldn't have been far off in terms of the way it went in that first half. Uh, it was pretty, pretty uh, damning, I think. I think the, the raft of second half... The pack second half made a big difference. Um, so I'm not sure if that's a sign that maybe Dan got his selection wrong. Knowledge that, um, not quite sure. But uh, look, Ulster's attack at times, fantastic. I really, I was really impressed with Flannery at times. Um, out playing behind forward pods, some of his touches was were really nice. And in the end, they fixed them all, managed to get a more score of their own, uh, and survived a, a really. We, we talked about it last week. They haven't got any any props on their books that have played. But I think they only had two props on their books that played top flight rugby last year. Uh, and when you need a four on a match day. So, uh, look, the scrum was predictably a concern in that last 10 minutes. But they, I think James French gave away four penalties in a row and got binned. Um, but Zerber made a balls of it and Ulster got away with it. I think in a day like that, when the pillars of your game, your set piece, have completely gone to pot and you still score 40 points and come away with a win, you, you just job done, move, try and fix it, hopes that players coming back fix it over the next coming weeks and and, and thank that you got away with it. Zebra made a balls of it. Ulster got away with it is the headline. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very good summary. I, I think, uh, yeah, that's hitting the nail on the head. Um, so, like, we'll not dwell. In fact, we will dwell on this game. I was going to say, that's the whole point of this podcast at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in, in some ways... I don't want to dwell on it. So I want to I want to try and balance sort of the positives and negatives. So Fergus, we'll turn to you now for what has become uh with being the only the second the week, second week we've done it, is the regular too good, too bad feature. So as I say, we'll try and balance the negatives with the positives. So could you give us two pleasing aspects from the game last night and two areas of weakness or areas of potential improvement, we'll call it? Yeah. Well, thanks very much for having me on, first of all. Hopefully you don't mind having someone who's spectacularly uninformed. Um, but oh, well, you stood. <laughs> <laughs> too good, too bad. Uh, I think I've seen that uh, somewhere before. But uh, <laughs> too, too good is is probably, I suppose it tells a story because that's the difficult part to come up with, is the too good. Um, but ultimately, you win a game with a bonus point. You come away... Relatively unscathed, you know. I suppose that, that that's the main takeaway. You've you've gone away from home in a game that you had to win, um, and and they've won it with a bonus point. And also, then I suppose they 
they were quite clinical. They they took their chances. I think I, I read a stat anyway. I'll take it at face value that it's true that they uh, entered the 22 of Zebra uh, seven times and came away with six tries. And the tries that they scored were good. They were decisive. They were clinical. Um, but then beyond that, if you're looking at the bad, uh, I think it's easy to be very pessimistic. But, I mean, the defence, it's already been mentioned, was porous. And I, I've played in enough... <laughs> I, played, I played probably to a very low level. <laughs> but I've played in enough bad teams to know... Like, I saw an interview uh, with Mike Lowry after this match. And he said, you can't fault the heart of the team. You know, it's, it's not the attitude. Um, but like I said, I've played enough bad teams that I think defence often comes down to attitude. You know, you're talking about dominant tackles, hitting men back in the tackle. Ulster players were consistently bouncing off. Mm -hmm. And so much of that is down to mentality and having like a real doggedness. I suppose the, the defence you can offer for their defence is that it, it's early in the season. It, it takes a while maybe to go into a season. There's maybe a bit of match rustiness. But it was concerning to see just, just tackles. There was, yeah. you know, players bouncing off. And uh, that needs to get better. And I do think even even from coaching kids at a young level, which they do now, it, it's it's the kids that are the best tacklers. It's it's like a mentality. It's it's a determination. You're going to knock the man down and knock them back. It's very easy to make it look like you're trying your hardest, mm -hmm. and you can come off to the game and say, we 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 don't have a mentality problem. But it's easy to say that you know. I think the evidence is if you are bouncing off tackles, it's because you aren't going in fully committed into it. So there was an element of that. And then I think the mall defence, which I think, you know, any press outlet that's talking about it would have picked up on. I mean, they give away easy tries. And I think that is something that wasn't the case last season. It wasn't like they were a literal pushover. Um, but they were very, very soft. And again, I don't know, is that is that coaching? They've lost some key personnel on the pack. Mm. Um that would be the concern. So defensively, tackles and them all. And then I suppose if you're looking for a third, because it's much easier to come up with a bad mm -hmm. point. So. Um, I don't believe they actually had a successful turnover in the game, as in they didn't steal a ball. You're not getting in there, you're not tackling. And that's a game when they're on the back foot, they're defending for the vast majority. So, yeah, it's not a great start. But going back, they've won the game. So I suppose you just draw a line under it. And you would imagine you'd have to have a meeting this week and go back through it and analyze all the many mistakes. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue. Like attitude, like I say, maybe it's just early season. Maybe it's rustiness. But I think it's easy to say there isn't like a mentality problem. Yeah. Well, no, I can certainly vouch for you in terms of your very, very low quality of rugby you played up, and um, <laughs> you're an expert <laughs> in her defense as well. And that's it's great to get that insight. Um, yeah, yeah. And being soft, so. No, if anyone knows it, it's Fergus. And, <laughs> and like I suppose that like, you're right. I think you probably could have gone on and on, listed all the weaknesses um, in Ulster's performance. But uh, we'll turn to you now, Patrick, and we'll look at a, the bigger picture slightly. So you put yourself in the head coach's position. You, you're Dan McFarland this week. What would you be saying <coughs> to the players? Now, he's very sort of... Uh, uh, full of grace in public, but uh, I, I suspect there's a bit of hairdryer treatment going on in the background there. What would you be hammering home this week in training? Um, well, for me, 
it's already mentioned there by Nathan Fergus. I've written down defense, the mall defense, but discipline. So I looked it up there earlier on. They give away 12 penalties, um, you know, to the worst team in the league. They haven't won in 26 games, which is um, shocking. And some, a lot of them came uh, obviously at the end there with, with French on the line and stuff. But that to me, it's just, it's just too many. You know, they got two yellow cards as well. <laughs> Excuse me. And, you know, if you're going to play, you mean you give half of them away against Leinster and the South African teams, Munster, Connacht, even Glasgow. I watched Glasgow and Leinster on Sunday. They, they'll rip you apart, you know. And Zebra did rip us apart, you know. Um, yeah. It was the the kicks essentially won it. As someone said there in the, in the pre chat, you know, they missed a few kicks and we uh, don't hit five out of six, and that's really what won also the game. That and a probably stupid decision from Zebra to tap and go at the end, um, to get the turnover. And you know, we only won with five scrums on our own ball, and we only won two. And we had nine turnovers lost. Yeah. So there's a lot to work on. And you're going to play the Bulls this week, who will come over very physical. It was that game last year. They're they're extremely physical. They have a very good set piece. And uh, that would be the area I would be really uh hammering home this week. Because you know, if you get the set piece right, there's a new pitch, Stockdale, Lowry, Addison, Hume. Yeah. Quick ball to them. You get the pack right. You should be able to score tries, but yeah, the defense is really. It was eye opening. I think. I, I think because it's zebra as well. You were, you know, if it had been, you know, like if you went to Glasgow and conceded that many or, or something, you may, may think right. Sorry, season's a good team, but I think it's who we were playing is, is a real concern for me. So I would be trying to really work on the set piece this week. Yes, no, I think I think you're right, and like there's lots of penalties given away, and then as Fergus was saying, very few turnovers. So you're going to say like if you're um, given loads of penalties away, but you're also in competing for the ball effectively, and you're getting the old turnover grit. Now they're conceding a lot uh, at the set piece, as you say, uh, scrum penalties, um, all defence penalties. Ultimately, what Treadwell went off for, I think was I think it was just repeated infringements at the mall, and then he's the man he took the. He he was the man who who infringed on that occasion and got sent off, but uh, or rather yellow carded. So um, yeah, discipline is one of those things you can control, and you don't need to be a great team to have really good discipline. Um, and it's uh, it's an easy fix in one sense, but you have to question, you know, after a while, uh, why couldn't they sort it out in terms of the guys in the pitch, the, the leaders in the pitch? But I suppose we'll turn to talk about the sort of individuals now a wee bit more, or rather the sort of units. So, um, Nathan, talk to us about the pack on Saturday. Uh, how do you think they cope with a pretty fired up zebra pack? Um, uh, and, and maybe some of those selections as well, maybe slightly strange selections in the pack. Yeah, well, I think the, the effect that the subs had probably suggests that the selection wasn't quite right. And I don't know if that was a a self-conscious thing of they're still easing lads back. They're giving some lads 20 minutes, some lads 30 minutes, one lad, one eye on the like of Timony and stuff might start next week, which plays into, you know, early season and, and minutes. And I, I don't know, it's, it's very early in the season to be managing players minutes. So I don't really whether that's coming into it or, or, or not at all. Um, look, we've talked about them all for an 
probably a sign that the, the selection of Matty Ray at lock, he did, I don't think he played a single game at lock all season, Ulster uh, last year. So this, I, it's hard to pin it on one player. I mean, because obviously Treadwell was enough to be binned, or at least he was the the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so I, I think that won't see that again with Uzuku coming part of those subs that came on that, that turned around them all. And the the turnovers point is a really good one because not only did they get no turnovers, they just had a complete incapability of even slowing down the ball, let alone turning it over on the floor. I think that's probably a sign that Timoney needed to play against, against a team that likes to attack a lot and likes to keep high ball and play time, etc. Um, and I suspect that means he'll play, he'll start next week, especially because that's what Ulster will want to do at home on the on the new pitch. Um, and yeah, and again, it's just just to reiterate the same point of. You ain't got any props. You're gonna struggle. You're gonna struggle in the scrum, and they did. And you would suspect that problem will be even worse um, next week against against the South African side, um, line out and, and scrum specifically. Look, David Cece in the zebra pack. I thought had a really good game. He kind of marshaled that line out, and probably was a big. He's he's a good mauler as well. Um, so I think he got the better of the Ulster unit in that first half. The changes made a difference, but. Um, yeah, they just they just lack experience, a lot of experience, don't they? Um, so I think it, you can say that you know Hendy's Hendy's going to come back. He'll fix the lineup. He'll pick the he'll fix them all. O'Toole and Moore will come back. They'll fix the scrum. But that's all well and good. But maybe a sign that even with that, you can't be shooting yourself in the foot by starting with a pack that isn't really well equipped to to deal with those challenges. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is. With, it was with one eye on next week and job done, move on. We won't do it again. I don't know. Um, but like I said earlier, it's a bit early early in the day to be managing minutes already. Yeah, certainly is. Um, and like, I suppose that I think it's a bit of a failed experiment, Matty Ray in the second row. People are saying maybe that's his position secretly. Do you know, he could, he could actually slot in there. It didn't, didn't massively come off for me. Um, but uh, and we have talent there, as, as you say. There's there's isn't you where you're Sheridan able to step in? Why not use them? Do you know? And um, I guess it was in terms of the backs, uh, Patrick, come to you now. A couple of interesting selections. I thought probably the most interesting one was Flannery ahead of Burns, but then Lowry on the wing, uh, and uh, Angus Curtis ahead of Stuart Moore. Uh, all these things, not to steal your thunder there, but how do you think the backs went, and what do you what did you make of the attack more generally? Well, you're scoring six tries, so that's obviously a positive there, and there was a good variety in them. You know, last year, I think we mentioned, especially towards the end of the season, it was Tom Stewart, Tom Stewart, Rob Herring, you know, getting the tries uh, through them all in the lane. And there was a couple of those, but obviously you've seen Stockdale get one, a very good one in the corner, and good play for Larry's try and stuff like that. So there was a, there was a good 15-minute spell where I thought Ulster wrestled control of the match back in the second half. I think at one point, because I think they were about with 13 when Doke scored uh, the conversion. And I, I, I thought, sitting watching it, this is this is going to be game management now. Burns is on and surely also will kick on here. And the last 10 minutes, they just collapsed. So that was a bit worrying about how they ended the game. That that period, I thought was was good, um for them, um going back to what you were saying at the start, you know I thought Jake Flannery did very well, um just picking up on what Nathan said about managing minutes. I think it's because they've got about twelve games in a row here, and I know it's very early for managing minutes, but that's the type of game we're also usually do rotate. I went to the game last year 
it was like half price. It was nearly a full house on Black Friday in November, and they played Zebra at home. And that game was that was the first time I'd seen Flannery play. You know, there was players there who I didn't see the game the rest of the season. So I think they've got Connaught, the Bulls, Connaught, Monster. They're huge games, and I think they're trying to rotate the with the idea of the Irish boys, Irish goal members coming back. Larry on the wing. I, I had to look twice at the team sheet. I think they were trying to fit him and Allison in yeah. the team, and that was a way to do it. But if you look at it in terms of McCluskey would come in for Curtis, and Balcombe would come in for either Allison or Larry. Burns would come in for Flannery, and then you've got the Cooney and Dokdepit. You're not too far off what would be your starting backline. So they clicked well enough last week for you to be happy enough with the attack. And it's just it's just a bit it's just just a bit weird with Laurie, I thought, and Curtis playing when Stuart Moore he's played all across the back line last year. So why did he not play fourteen? Yeah. You know, um so yeah, it was just a bit I think the selection was baffling to a lot of people when they read the team sheet. But I think it was just trying to fit people in, give them minutes and move on to this next block. Because I think if if you lose the next, especially the two home games, are obviously Bulls and Monster. If you lost them, and you're gonna to have to have the big, big guns back. I think by the Monster game, the Irish squad members are supposed to be back fully. So you'd like to think also would be clicking a bit better then. And in defence, you know, Allison hasn't played in a year. He made a couple of silly mistakes at the end that he gave away the scrum in the corner by trying to offload it to Larry. So, you know, I think they may try to play too much rugby in certain areas. So the attack I thought was was okay, but um, yeah, selection was just a bit weird. And yeah. I'm hoping that they were just giving players a chance to try and get into the team, whereas last year they weren't doing that. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in that when you look at it that way, giving giving players a chance is a good thing. But and mixing things up a wee bit. Personally, Lowry strikes me as you know, it's sort of always has struck me as his natural position on the wing. Personally, but um, Nathan, we'll go to you now. Sorry, you had your hand up there. Yeah, well, actually, I was going to actually ask about Addison. Uh, so half the question is, uh, is like, has he got has been answered? Because you guys, obviously, as Ulster fans, have been so excited for so long to see him coming back. So I was intrigued to how he thought he got on. I, I agree with um, Patrick. I thought there were a few few hairy moments. Maybe the backfield defence throwing offloads. I don't know. They're, they're the type of just things that you you expect somebody who hasn't played in a long time, like kind of in, instincts that get kind of beaten out of you because you know you don't want to be throwing offloads. Up on the floor in your twenty two, um. So they kind of game time kind of get through those. But the only thing I would say is I thought defensively I thought Larry was exposed a bit on the wing, wasn't he? I think you could tell he hadn't like there was whatever about. I mean, I mentioned this, I meant to say this earlier as well when the, about the point about soft defense. But for two of Zebra's first half tries, I think Larry gets bumped off five meters out and Stewart gets bumped off five meters out really soft. Um, and I think just generally that was part of a display from Larry out wide where, you know, it's I think it's easier to target a winger defensively almost than a fullback. Uh, and especially with the size thing, I know I don't necessarily want to beat him over his size thing, but I think you can, you know, your fullback is there. The last man is defense is going to get beaten nine times out of ten, out of nine times out of ten anyway. But a wing, I think if you are defensively a little bit weaker, you just do get exposed more, do you? Don't you? And I don't think he's necessarily that weak a defensive player, but you do increase the odds of being bumped off on a one-on-one tackle, and that happened for one of the zebra scores. I know it's physics, isn't it? You know, if you're 
if you're away, it, it's it's not helpful. Um, so uh, just to sort of sum up there, Fergus, are, are, are there Ulster players who stood out to you? I suppose both for good and bad reasons there. Anyone we haven't maybe talked about? Yeah, no, I think you've covered probably a lot of ground there and who who did stand out and play well. So I thought Flannery looked pretty good. Um, probably had a limited amount of ball. You know, Ulster didn't lay down at possession. Well, he, he was creative. Laurie, I'm probably better at asking questions than I'm giving answers. Laurie on the wing, I take it he was put out there for a defensive reason. You know, you, de- you generally have your stronger tackler at fullback, and that's hence why, because Addison's played a bit in the wing. Mm-hmm. That must have been the thought process there, surely, for why I don't know Laurie was playing why. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. Uh, you presume so, but uh, I think you'd have to ask Dan, you know, and the, the coaches. Um. Duke, we've already covered as well. I suppose it was his kicking that uh, ultimately won the game for Ulster, so that's that's a positive. Tom Stewart, I assume it's a commonly held opinion. I, I think he's outstanding. I, mm. I like in terms of tries and running with the ball and like he just he has legs like tree trunks. You know, like partly jealousy on my part. But like he, unbelievable, just the the, the stats for him. So I, I think he's also, Ireland are blessed with a great selection of hookers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he should be in the, the mix for for Ireland, and I just think he's always a try threat. Um, Stockdale, we haven't mentioned yet, a mm-hmm. couple of tries, which would be good for his confidence. He's still not really based in this game. I just think when you think of him a few years ago before injuries, he looked like one of the next big things in world rugby, and it's maybe just hard to see him ever getting back to those levels again. Mm-hmm. You know, we. Uh, He's not as electric as he was, and I suppose injuries take their toll. So a useful man to have around the squad. But my next question was uh, I'm bouncing around the place here. Balakun is him not starting. Am I right in saying that was a question of again managing minutes, trying to get him? That that drove me mad because you know I I said like we spent twenty minutes in the last week talking about how Balakun is going to be also the most important player this year. Um, <laughs> You know, why the hell is he play Mike Larry playing on the wing instead of Bob Balakun? Like, what's going on here? I mean, Larry's a brilliant player, but he's been in 15 and 10 all his life. And you've got one of the best wingers in the country in terms of pure physical attributes there to play 14. And you don't play him. I mean, you look what happens to Stockdale. Be, I think he'd be like seven defenders or something. Like when he had the ball, he was incredible against a useless defense. Both sides of the defense were useless. But and you've got Bob Balakun, you don't play him. That that actually, I remember. Sorry, I forgot about that completely. But that <laughs> I remember when I tuned in. What was it? One o'clock on Saturday. I tuned in. I that I actually got angry. I don't know why. Not so bad. I'm no skin in the game here, but I don't know. I I, I love Bob Balakun, and that genuinely pissed me off that he wasn't playing again. Maybe he's picked up a niggle on the flight over or something, or. He, I don't know, or he did a hammy in the captain's run. You never know. And they tend not to say these things until the week after. Um, like Leinster did it. He, Keen Healy was injured for Glasgow, but they didn't announce it until he was injured for another game. So we might not. And also, I don't think I've done an injury update this week, or at least they didn't do one yesterday when I checked. No. Um, so maybe he, they're waiting to see if he's fit for this week before they say he was injured last week. I, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. That just made no sense to me whatsoever. It's it's no good whenever Leinster fans are getting annoyed at how bad Ulster selections are. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, so I don't. Uh, well, because sure if you don't play him, winger, <laughs> we'll take it. Hey, Jesus Christ! <laughs> you, have, you have enough. Stop taking our players. That's what Leinster well, no, does. No, no, no wingers. <laughs> Jesus, that they could have done with a decent winger on um on Sunday. <laughs> 
question. Well, look, we've covered a lot of Ulster things there, including Tom Stewart's lovely legs, um, Gordon <laughs> Fergus. So tree trunks, uh, tree trunks oh, of legs. Tree trunks. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick, we'll turn to you now. So you have something to say there? Just with the Balakun point, I just think Nathan's probably right that he gets a lot of he gets a lot of niggles, and maybe they just thought we need him for bigger days, and yeah. they thought they hadn't. I think they thought they had enough last week to get a 10-point win bonus to go, yep, happy days, move on. And I think about 15 minutes in, they thought, oh, no, we're not. We're not. That's not happening today. Because yeah. I think Zebra, Zebra came out and they thought, no, we're throwing this ball a bit. And we're not going to play your kicking, kicking game because that's probably what also expected. And yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. Look, I think maybe they uh, they thought a wee bit too much of themselves going against Zebra. Albeit Zebra, uh, as I say, had him. And I will turn to you now, Nathan, just for a very quick word on Zebra. Are we giving them enough credit for nearly beating us? I know like, both sides look very rusty, and um, the, the the Zebra Mall was great in fairness to them. Uh, the the other hand, I suppose they don't beat anyone. So they won no games last season. They haven't won against Irish Province since 2018. That was Connacht. Um, so is it a game we won or Zebra lost? Oh, Zebra lost that game. I mean, I completely forgot about the goal kicking points as well, which is a fantastic point. And then how many times do you give away four penalties at the same set piece in your own 22 and don't concede a single point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they got now, well, I think French could have been binned maybe a scrum earlier. And if that happened, maybe an extra attack as well as Zebra need against 14. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they, they made a mess of it in the 22 in the last, when the clock in the red, didn't they? So, and you combine that with the terrible place kicking, like I said earlier, Ulster got away with one. But look, I think uh, Zebra are much better than they have been. I think a half-decent defence from either side turns that into a 20-point win for whoever's defended slightly slightly better. Um, but look, they're 9 and 10. I thought were brilliant. Garcia and Priscilla I thought the 10 especially managed the game really well. And their fullback was... Uh, I thought electric on the ball as well, Panny. I think he was a constant threat. Um, so I have just got the team sheet up here to make sure that uh, I got that. I, I didn't memorize those names. I just made sure I got the names right there. <laughs> but I do remember. I do remember nine, ten, and fifteen just bossing that game attack, attacking wise. And obviously, we mentioned the CC and the lineout um, and the mall earlier on. Um, but yeah, look, Zebra deserve a lot of credit. Um, I think you probably get more annoyed at Ulster having a, a terrible set piece and 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 defense, whereas you kind of go with Zebra. Look. You're recovering from being a, a very poor team. They're probably a slightly below average team instead of a poor team now. So you can probably forgive them having a shoddy defense. But, um, you know, it's so frustrating from their point of view, uh, based on, you know, a few pace kicks, yeah. they win that game. I know, just, yeah, weird decision at the end. I think everyone's uh, collectively held their breath, uh, you know, as as they took a quick tap, whereas, yeah, they, they could have gone even line out or scrum, they had, had their Ulster's number. Um, in terms of um, the Ulster more generally, I suppose I want to touch on that. You know, uh, we're still early days, first game of the season. Um, Patrick, just briefly, what is the mood in Ulster, the Ulster fan base at the minute? So Stevie Ferris, who, um, you know, uh, I'd be a big fan of. I think he's quite entertaining. Uh, he, he sort of talked to her in the week uh, about heads must rule among senior management if there's no sign of forward momentum this season. So, what is the mood? Does that capture the mood, do you think? Well, 
I, I think I think there's a lot of worry. You know, where are we going? You know, was talking about last week where I think we regressed with our you know, up and coming up and comers last year. You know, that we were supposed to have by all accounts, you know, a few more going to the World Cup than we did. Hume and um, Balakun for a start, and then um, you know, I I think there's a bit of worry about you know where are we going? You know, the year I. <laughs> I think Ulster, from the beat by the Stormers, I've been worried about them uh, over there because I just think that was that was it. That was the chance to win a trophy. They played well all that season. You know they had a tough, tough loss against Toulouse in Europe, and I just think everyone's a bit like, mm, "Are we being, you know, are we moving backwards now?" Munster won the URC last year. Connacht are playing some good stuff as well. Leinster or Leinster. And I just think, I don't know if a change in coaches needed, but I just think maybe a new voice in the backroom even could could help. And um, you know, with fresher ideas, you know, that, that could help them. I, I just think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of like, oh, we'll get to the playoffs, um, we'll probably get a home game, and then we'll go out. I don't think anyone actually thinks us are going to win anything this year. I know it sounds really depressing, but there's only just two trophies you can win in, in Europe, and. Yeah. Leinster tend to win both of them or La Rochelle obviously Munster last year and um, yeah I mean last last week I remember I said oh I think we'll get a home semi and a good run in Europe and then I'm <laughs> embarrassed about it whenever I was watching the Zebra match I thought well, why have you said that people <laughs> why have you said that out loud I know so, look, it's recorded you know, right? <laughs> I know it's literally out there like, but um, yeah I just think it's a bit like I follow the NFL and I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. It's a bit like, yeah, we'll get to the playoffs, but we're going to lose. And I feel a bit like, well, I'm here for the ride, the ups and downs of it, you know. So, yeah. and hopefully I'm wrong, but yeah, yeah, worry, worry. I think would be the the main. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Yeah. No, I think like uh, taking parts fun and all, but it'd be great to win, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest. Especially when you know, everyone else, nine monster, Connaught, and Leinster, you know, won since we have so it's I know yeah. I and know. we've had our chances you know the cha- uh, Challenge Cup against Leinster and the the Stormers game the other year you know we've had chances to get the finals so yeah I know yeah just fall on at the final hurdle or before the final hurdle on occasion as well so I know Fergus you're a fan of football and um managerial coach changes happen all the time it happens seemingly you know uh, a few times a season in some cases uh, at certain clubs so I don't want to again. I mentioned this last week about Dan McFarland and pressure on his job and, and stuff like that. So I suppose the question, with a couple of caveats after it, is at what point will Dan feel pressure for his job if performances don't improve? I suppose he's now the longest-serving Ulster coach, so he's been there near enough six years. Um, so the longest-serving coach in the professional era. He's done some good stuff. Right? Whenever he came in, it was really positive for us. There was a real sense of an atmosphere shift uh, after a fairly horrific season, you know, for many reasons the, the year previous. Do you think there's uh, a point in the future, maybe a not too distant future, that Ulster might pull the trigger, look for a new head coach? Um, and do you, do you think it's maybe better to give coaches a bit of time for stability's sake? Well, I think six years in professional sport is a long time, you know, and 
he probably is quite lucky to still be in a job because if you look at it, you know, with the bare facts, North's been one and all the other provinces have won something in, in that time, in some cases, multiple trophies. And I think, again, going back to my own mediocre low level uh, rugby career, um, coaches come in sometimes and they can be like a breath of fresh air. And and McFarland uh, came in and it was all this kind of fight for every inch. And you got the impression the players really responded to it. And the attitude was on point for a couple of years. But then sometimes after a while, when you don't win, you start thinking, does this guy actually really know what he's talking about? You know, can you keep motivating people? So I suppose... I know but, you're, you're a mini rugby team are saying that at the minute, aren't they? <laughs> They're a very motivated bunch. They, they lack talent, unfortunately. They don't, don't tell them I said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Motivation's on point. The effort's there enough. But... I, th- I do think after a while, with you know, in any walk of life, like six years is a long time to try and keep a group of people motivated. And you're talking about small percentage drop-offs making a big difference in top-level sport. So sometimes like a fresh voice, new ideas, innovative ideas coming in can be exactly what's needed. I don't think you want to be making changes, ideally, you know, at the start, you know, the season's now started or mid-season. But certainly come the end of the season, you know, if you're still looking at Ulster not really being competitive in those top competitions, then you'd have to look at the, the head coach position. Because like I say, you know, messages over time, I suppose either you keep refreshing your squad and new players come in um, or you, you change the coaching setup. Um, I think that's one thing I was going to go back and say. I think Ulster are lacking... Certainly, uh, at the weekend, leadership. I think it makes a big difference if you have, you know, pairing McCloskey Henderson coming back into that team, and then potentially a World Cup winning front row coming in as well. That can obviously bolster things, and maybe that will turn the season around. But uh, it strikes me as a side. You know, if you look at real strong characters and sort of the Leinster and Munster teams, Ulster in times gone by have maybe had a real strong spine of leaders and I'm not sure if they have that same calibre of leader and that counts for an awful lot as well so between those two things the coaching setup, and your senior players being real models that everyone is motivated by I'm not sure that Ulster have that at the minute so I, probably if they aren't you know by any metric successful this season, I think you're looking at a coaching change, yeah. Yeah, so headline tomorrow, Fergus slams McFarland, <laughs> McFarland out. Um, no, I think, <laughs> I think there's a good bit of balance there. I think. Like, I don't think his headlines come from this podcast. <laughs> I don't think they're overselling it there. Flatter ourselves, <laughs> I know. Um, so like, in terms of, uh, in terms of what you're saying, yeah, I think like, again, to go back to football, Alex Ferguson always had a good, you know, an eye for leader uh, or multiple leaders in the team, great coach. And like, ultimately, he could hand over a lot of that responsibility, he could delegate it to leaders within the squad. And equally, like, as you say, now he's handy, uh, uh, struggling. <laughs> Al O'Connor, in fairness, great leader. We really missed him, actually. Uh, that's a couple of names I like to throw, throw into the mix people I haven't talked about. I think two people, m- most overlooked players. Alan O'Connor and Andy Warwick. Um, Andy Warwick's been really solid for us, and he actually he's not going back in the scrum generally. So even stick him at tight head, maybe Callum Reed and at loose until we, we get ourselves sorted. But um, like I think 
I think we need some outside perspective here. And Nathan, you are an honorary uh, Ulster uh, fan. I'm not sure you'd accept that title, but um, in terms of uh, you were able to bring us back down the earth, we're all talking about a big European adventure this year. But um, <laughs> in terms of what we can actually expect this season, is it going to be another season of building or do you think we might actually go backwards? Depends what you mean by going backwards. Um, I think it the weekend probably confirmed a lot of fears for Ulster's depth. And it just shows that if there are those two, three or four players that, that do go, obviously World Cup at the minute, but it could be, you know, in a European run, it could be injury. If, you, if there's a URC quarterfinal, it equally, you know, it's more likely to be injury than if, if certain players do go Ulster against certain sides will be fine but against certain caliber sides at the back end of the season will we'll struggle so it would not surprise me at all to see something similar to 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 last season where there were, there is a knockout game or two that's that's kind of it um and you know if like you said if if the kids off comes in and completely solidifies that scrum and turns it into a weapon all of a sudden or something along those lines and also managed to keep the best 15 on the pitch you know maybe there is a, a European quarter final in there or, or or something like that um or a URC semi-final, and even depending on the draw, I, I don't think that's ever been in question with with Ulster's first choice fifteen. But that's likely to happen, and um, yeah, I guess in that regard, then success is just finding because that's been a problem for a while now. Um, we thought it was those guys who got capped in the twenty twenty two Six Nations, the the Larrys and Humes and stuff, could could be those match winners when the other match winners were were gone. They didn't quite do that last year. Success would be those guys getting back to that that run of form, and and maybe one or two others uh, of the younger guys who we continually bang on about. You know, the Sheridans here, the Chukus here, um, you know, even um, oh, the the number eight McCann, McCann even yeah, if, yeah. if someone like that came in and and could fill a hole every now and then, um, I think that would be a a successful season. So I think for Ulster, success is isn't really necessarily in how far they go because draws and injuries can just be cruel. I think it's I think it's just it, do they find two or three of those lads who were on the periphery of, of Ireland two years ago and if, if they can get back to that and one or two more can get to that. Because I don't think anyone's you know, I don't think this Ireland team team is changing massively. So I think it's more so the individuals and if those players can develop because I think regardless of what happens, Ulster will struggle to, to win a semi final. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, or probably our expectations need to be more realistic this season. I'm sick of talking about building towards something, but like, I think we are where we are, and like, we just enjoy it for what it is. You know, that's what rugby's about. Uh, watch it with friends, uh, enjoy it. Don't worry too much if we don't win on this season. Like, I'm sort of coming around that way, way of thinking at the minute. So, like, I want to look ahead just briefly here at the end to, um, uh, the Bulls game at the weekend. So um, back home on Sunday, uh, facing the Bulls at Ravenhill um, for the first time in front of their own supporters. And the last time uh, we were there was that quarter-final defeat to Connacht. So this time they've torn up the hollow turf at Ravenhill and replaced it with a plastic pitch. So Fergus, what do you think of plastic pitches? Do you like the idea of rugby and plastic pitches? And do you think it'll actually lend itself to better rugby? I know you're massively against plastic pitches. <laughs> yeah. So for that reason, I want to be completely focused. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, go um, ahead. But no, like I've seen I've seen players again interviewed during the week, particularly backs. I think uh 
Stockdale and Hume possibly were both saying they're looking forward to playing on that surface. Completely yeah. of their own free will as well. <laughs> we love plastic pitches. Yes, they, they might have a, a, a certain bit of arm twisting going on there to be supportive of it. But I, I do think you're talking about, you know, playing, you know, a fluid, expansive game, running rugby, four backs, having a, a reliable surface like that is is preferable. And it means as we come into the winter months, Ravenhoff pitch was cut up pretty badly last season. So I think from a spectator point of view, it's going to be a positive. I think the negative is injuries. We've already touched on the fact that Ulster don't probably have a very deep squad. Um, I think if you're playing that surface week in, week out, or every fortnight or whatever it might end up being, it is hard on the limbs. And any of us that have played five-a-side football, not with the downside, you know, player injury, uh, those awful burns, you get off the pitch. But... I actually do think it's a good thing. I think it's it's a it's a good decision, and I think you know I suppose it's probably an advantage because you're used to playing on that surface then as well. You know, um, and if if your game plan like Ulster's is, you know, if you're trying to play really expansive, I I think it's a positive. But maybe that's not a popular opinion. No, not you'll not either. you'll not be back. But here, thanks very much for coming <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> no, look, look, there's two sides to every story. I I don't like. I think there's an injury risk. There. Joe has I put it out to. Um, the seven followers on, on Twitter that I have and <laughs> several of them came back and uh, actually a, a, a former professional player who will not be named said it hastened the end of their career um, playing on plastic pitches. just says bad in the knees and the joints. Now, granted, it's it's better than what we play five-a-side on yeah, but, yeah. and it's more, there's more padding, whatever. I'm no doubt about that, but um, ask any physio they're not a fan of plastic pitches yeah yeah as as again I've done my ankle on it a few times now <laughs> so I think that's turn, turn me against them but we'll wait and see I know you're looking forward to like the next Elton John concert at Ravenhill or whatever but uh, much better service for that absolutely <laughs> so uh, look, we'll wait and see what happens and hopefully they do play better rugby on it um, so Nathan just briefly here as we sort of come uh, land the plane of the podcast can you give us a wee bit of insight into this into this bull side? What are the like as a team? Who are the key individuals to look out for? And do they have a number of guys missing at the World Cup? Well, they spanked Scarlets last week. They put sixty on them down in uh down in Pretoria, which is probably not too surprising. I think most most teams go down there and struggle, um, bar one or two exceptions. Um, yeah, look, they're not actually that affected by World Cup. Call-ups, funnily enough. Um, I mean, I think 90% of the Springboks these days are and more, at least they're all on their way back to, to Japan uh, for some post-World Cup cap. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, Kutsi is the big one, the big familiar name. He's back in back in the game. Um, I don't know, have, have the Bulls played in Ulster since he's left? I'm not sure, have they? Has he come back yet? Or is oh, this the I first time he's back? They, they played last year, sorry, but he didn't play. He yes. didn't play, so it's, it's, it's yeah. his first trip back then if he plays. Yeah. Yes, there's an obvious one. So straight away, you're looking at breakdown threat and he's a really good line-out practitioner. Don't know if he's as destructive a carrier as he was back in Ulster. Uh, Ruan Norkia, the second row, he's a bit of a monster as well uh, on that kind of mall issue. Uh, Edric Lowe, the open side, um, he's a good player as well. Uh, and then, look, they've got a pretty experienced 10 in, in, in Goosen and there's always a few flyers out wide on the South African sides. So, look, yeah, I mean, they will be... I think they'll watch what Ulster happened to Ulster last week and go right. Let's let's see if we can scrum and mold them off the park and and and, and go from there. Um, I think if Ulster do short the set piece a little bit, they probably can force a bit of a plan B from them. And if it does get into a bit of a shootout, 
you know, Ulster at home on a fast pitch will be competitive. They were competitive in a shootout last week for all their faults. So yeah. um, if Ulster can turn it into a bit of an attacking shootout, they might actually prefer that. Whereas uh, if their line and scrum are all over the place again, it could be an interesting evening and these guys will definitely punish. You know, it's a South African side. Let's not overcomplicate it. If you've got a poor set piece, a South African side is going to do some damage. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, so certainly it's a bit of a grudge match, um, particularly with the Katia connection. Not against Katia, but more the manner in which they they uh, they announced him and it ruined Christmas. I remember it was around Christmas time that they badly photoshopped the image of uh, here's your Christmas present, Blues, Bulls fans. And... Um, that was uh, that was very frustrating. <laughs> so yeah. it'd, be, it'd be great to beat them. So Patrick, what do you, what do you actually predict in terms of outcome and performance uh, on uh, Sunday? I think uh, Ulster will win by a score. It could be one, it could be seven. I think that's where uh, it is. Um, but if uh, the mall defence and the set piece aren't even remotely improved, I think uh, I could see them losing uh, by the same uh, score as well. I think it'll be tight either way. And yeah, I, I think it should be, I think with being at home, a few players being back, new pitch, you know, it's been five five months since they played uh, at home. Sunday night, um, there should be Look at the put on a bit of a show, I think, uh, and try and move on from last week. So I'm expecting a tight game, but also just a win. Yep, you've been stung with uh, overly optimistic uh, predictions <laughs> yeah. already, but yep. though, I like it. You're staying positive, <laughs> good man. Um, so look, I think we've uh, we've covered a decent amount there. Ulster got off to an underwhelming start, despite the bonus point win in Italy. If nothing else. I have to say it was an entertaining game with plenty of back and forth. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure is it a good advertisement or not, considering the defence on both sides. There, um, there are worrying signs for Ulster. We mentioned their mall defence, defence generally, or scrum, or stocks at tighthead. Uh, <laughs> the first game rust. And as I say, uh, Dan McFarlane, very uh, gracious in public, but I'm sure he's hammered home a few key pointers this week as they prepare to face the Bulls in front of a home crowd. So on the other hand, there were some uh, green shoots of encouragement, so some nice attacking parts and glimpses of what we can do. Uh, as we mentioned, Tom Stewart has taken on a leadership role. He's looking pretty good uh, at the weekend. There's a pretty good core group of players there who can hopefully step up. We're talking uh, Treadwell, McCann, uh, Lowry, Hume, Stockdale, the likes of Sheridan as a Chukwu, um, and Flannery also to, to sort of competing with for starting places in the team. So we'll be watching with interest after the sideshow of the World Cup is over as Ulster returned to New Look Riven Hill. And uh, it looks like we're set for another roller coaster of a season. Life is never boring as an Ulster fan. And we'll, we'll be back next week to discuss and dissect what happened. So thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, tell your friends or even your enemies if they, you think they might enjoy it <laughs> and whoever you think might be interested in listening. So thanks to our panel, Nathan, Patrick and Fergus for listening. Or no, thanks for contributing and thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay. Thanks everyone. 
Imagine a place free from gravity. Imagine a place free from all external stimulation where the only thing you can hear is your own heartbeat. A place where your physical and mental health can rest and recover, where you can reconnect with your whole self. That place is Hydroease. Come and join us. You can find us at www.hydro-ease.co.uk